If you're looking for Pokemon style Etsy items, Pokemon Pop figures, and so much more, check out the PokeDepartmentStore.com. That's P-O-K-E-D-E-P-S-T-O-R-E.com for all your Pokemon needs. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What is up, everyone? It's me, the Pokemon Cave. Today, we're going to be touching bases on... How to build a deck, how many supporters is too many supporters in a deck, and the online Pokemon trading card game Apocalypse is coming. Also, looking at r slash Pokemon questions, I actually have a really interesting question. It's a pretty straightforward question, so to speak, uh, and there is only one answer, and the answer, again, was very straightforward, but what do you think? I'm going to put a story up on Instagram live right after I'm done recording this so if you see it on Instagram you know I've recorded this episode a few days early weigh in on your option or on the options and uh, we'll go from there first though the apocalypse is coming in June yeah you heard that right the Pokemon TCG online is changing coming beginning of June so the Pokemon company is officially migrating its online training card ecosystem to its new app, the Pokemon Training Card Game Live on June 8th. This means if you've been playing the digital card game on the TCG Online, which has been the platform for official online play since 2011, you'll have to make the switch at the beginning of next month, as the original app is being completely removed from digital storefronts that same week. Now, Live has been in beta since November, and if you've already been playing the game over there, not much will change when the full game launches next month, but if you've been holding off on making the switch, you'll have to once the online app is deleted uh, from mobile and desktop storefronts on June 5th. So there's your warning, guys. Players have had a bit of time to make the transition, though, and the Pokemon company stopped adding new cards and packs to online back in March. So anyone using it hasn't really been able to play with cards from the recent Scarlet and Violet packs, though they were, or though, sorry, they will be supported in live. The online app will continue to support verse ladder reward tracks and bug fixes up until its uh, demise in June. In the meantime, anyone who logs into the TCG live between now and launch day will receive commemorative accessories, including a coin, card sleeves, a deck box, all featuring the global beta logo. Now, all of this follows some controversy surrounding the transition between online and live. Now, both apps use the same online profile, so transferring from one app to the other isn't really that difficult at all. Uh, However, live has come under fire for drawbacks compared to online, including a loss of in-game currency when transferring to a general lack of feature parity. On top of this, booster packs have fewer cards in live than they did in online which the Pokemon company has deemed optimal for the game's economy. Uh, Do I agree? Hell no. Uh, I think if you purchase a pack, you should get 
the proper number of cards in a pack. Why the hell should we have less cards? But ups and downs aside, Pokemon players will have to use this new one come June. Hopefully the bugs in the beta are ironed out, but most of all, hopefully some of these changes will be reverted to give folks a better version of the TCG game instead of a substandard one. Next up, how do you really build a deck? What's good, what's not? Today I'm going to look at the top 10 best ways to build a deck. Number 10 is start with a solid deck structure. When players first start building decks, they often put too much emphasis on the Pokemon and energy cards. The former mistake is understandable. After all, it's the iconic nature of these crit critters that has printed billions of dollars for decades. Now, the latter is also an easy trap to fall into, as it's a reasonable reaction to see your Pokemon's energy costs and fear the worst. Now, provided your opponent makes the same mistakes, you'll end up having a fairly equal match, but the first time you fight someone with a multiple deck or a multiple draw supporter, like Bill or Professor Sycamore, you're going to lose, and you're going to lose bad. So it's important to have the right cards in your deck, but it won't help you at all if you never draw those cards. It often shocks players to learn how strongly, strongly most modern decks favor trainer cards. Now, we recommend giving the following formula a chance when you're just starting out. 15 Pokemon, 12 Energy, 33 Trainers. Now, depending on your future needs, you may end up with decks that have greater or fewer of each of the main categories, though you'll rarely, if ever, climb higher than 20 Pokemon or 15 energy. Number 9 is typing isn't everything. In the Pokemon games, it's best to have 6 Pokemon of different types with movesets that can counter anything you might run into. You take Ice Pokemon to fight Dragon, or Bug Pokemon for Dark, and Grass Pokemon you may take Fire Pokemon for Steel, unless you're playing the original Diamond and Pearl and didn't select Chimchar. In that case, you don't take Fire Pokemon. But in the train card game, you don't have that luxury. You could try to have six different types and have one for each stage of their evolution, and at least four energy types, <laughs> but that is a terrible and practical measure. See, your measure of deck control will be non-existent. The odds of drawing the right Pokemon for the right energy card are nil, especially when you factor in the possibility that it's part of the prize card pile. So does that mean you should build your deck around one or two types? Well, possibly, but possibly not. That's not the most helpful advice, we realize, but it boils down to whether or not the cards unique can all be found within a few types. One of the trickiest aspects to the game is recognizing that sometimes you'll have, for example, a fire water deck that also contains a handful of Pokemon from other types. Now, all your energy cards should still be fire and water, but you'll be using those additional Pokemon as utility. Perhaps you'll have a Parashrew that can use Call for Family. With one colorless energy, colorless costs can be met with energy of any type, by the way. The Parachute is electric type, but it won't really matter. It exists so that it can pull out the big hitters, take a bruise on the nose if it gets knocked out, and get started in the earnest. Now, ultimately, our recommendation is to aim for something around two types with a handful of outside cards when needed. Number eight is pick a solid main attacker. Not all Pokemon are suitable to be a deck main attacker. Now, to qualify, your main attacker absolutely needs to have these two traits. Firstly, it must be able to set up quickly, and secondly, it needs to do a lot of damage. 
What does it mean to set up quickly? Well, it means you need to be able to start attacking as soon as possible. And that depends largely on the energy cost of your Pokemon's attacks. So for instance, compare Como's energy cost to Gardevoir's. Even with double colorless energy, the best you can hope to set up Como's attacks would be three turns. However, with Gardevoir, you're ready to go in just one turn. Number seven, include utility Pokemon. We touch bases on this again. So not every Pokemon can be your main attacker or even a secondary one, but don't throw them out just yet. Some Pokemon have powerful abilities that can add significant utility to your deck. Rebel, Clash, Rebel Class's Shuckle, for instance, has a move called Berry Picking that allows you to shuffle five energy cards from your discard pile back into your deck. This is exceptionally handy if your strategy involves burning off tons of energy for powerful attacks, but it can also be a lifesaver if you've lost a few Pokemon, if you're simply low on remaining energies. So paying carefully attention to your Pokemon's abilities can help control your deck. The more control you add, the less you'll be able to subject to random chance, and the better a winning strategy you can reliably incorporate at any given time. Number six is plan your setup strategy. You know your main attacker is, you now, or so now you need to get them onto the field as quickly as possible. But not just your attacker, you also need them to have energies and items equipped. Maybe you need a stadium out there on the field. Maybe even you need to fill your bench. Getting everything set up quickly will give you the best chance at winning. Learn what cards synergy, synergize sorry, well with others, and how you can cycle through your deck quickly. This will take some time to really sink in, so be sure to test out your deck and get a feel for how quickly you can get things moving. Since examples are precious and pivotal, here's another. The supporter card called PokeKid lets you search your deck for any basic Pokemon. Reveal it and add it to your hand. If you stock your deck with four PokeKids, you have a decent chance of encountering one before you would even have otherwise drawn your ace. So since Pokemon V are considered basic, this is a far more powerful card in 2022 than it would have been, say, 10 years ago. A few basics could be your aces. Number five, select the right trainer cards. It's not enough to just throw any trainer in your deck. You need the right ones, and the answer to that is what's right. It's going to significantly not only from strategy to strategy, but even from player to player which should help to explain why they're so prolific in deck building. Supporters, items, tools, and stadiums. You can use any item card per turn as you'd like, while supporters are limited to just one. For supporters, it's critical that most of them are cards that allow you to draw. To start with, include eight to 10 of these. Be sure to have at least a few that allow you to shuffle your hand back into your deck. Drawing is important, but so is not running out of cards. Then include three or four other supporters for added utility, like the excellent Bosses Orders card that will force your opponent to replace their active with one of their choice or with one of their choice contrast to this with the item card Escape Rope, which prompts both players to switch their Pokemon, uh, and your opponent gets to choose theirs. Not as great, but handy in a pinch. For items and tools, shoot for 17, with six to eight of them being Pokemon search cards. These will help you get your main attacker out as quickly as possible, helping you to secure a quick win. And finally, pick these pick three stadium cards that complement your Pokemon's type and moveset. You won't always follow our number of suggestions. In fact, you may never find cause to do so, but our ratios are fairly common for a reason. And if you're not using stadiums actively, strongly consider adding one to your deck to counteract the effect of 
of one of your opponents. Might they send one out? Since the only way to get rid of a stadium is with another stadium. However, I think there is actually a trainer card that removes stadium cards. Number four, play with other people's decks. When you copy a winning deck, that doesn't mean you'll automatically win. You have to learn how the deck works and why. By playing with decks built by other people, you'll start seeing the logic behind the deck. What cards do they have? What moves do they use most often? When should you be using those trainer cards? Play with the deck several times to get a feel for what it does and doesn't do. And do this with a variety of decks. The more familiar you are with the cards and different strategies, the easier it will be to build your own decks and counter those used by other people. Number three, stick to the current sets. As with any other training card game, the Pokemon TCG has changed a lot since it's been released in the 90s. Back then, Charizard was by far one of the best cards, having 120 HP, the maximum amount at the time, by the way. Now there's a Snorlax VMAX with an absurd 340 HP. Not only that, but there's been the addition of special cards like EX, GX, and for the current meta, V, VMAX, and V-Star. Not only would it be impractical to try and use these cards from older sets against the Behemoths, but you wouldn't be able to participate in tournaments. If that's not an issue for you, then go for it. But then in casual play, you'll find it hard to persuade most people to battle. Often it's not even because you're unaccustomed to your cards. They're simply aware that your deck will likely be sorely underpowered to the point that it's a trivializing win, essentially. Now, besides, you won't get to try out more interesting new... Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mechanics that have been introduced in the most recent sets you'll be going up against these mechanics on a regular, so don't make the mistake of refusing to familiarize yourself with them. Number two, look for cards you don't have. You don't need to go buy a whole booster box trying to collect every card you're missing, unless you're sadistic like I am. (laughs) Now, (laughs) there are websites where you can see every card in a series. Take a look at them, read the card text, learn what's new in each set, and see if you can find interesting strategies in those cards. Then, once you've decided on what cards you want to have, you can either go out and buy packs and hope you get one you want, or you can directly purchase them online. Now, when you do one, and when you do the other, well, that's a subjective decision, of course. But our advice is to grab a few packs if you need a smorgasbord of new cards, but purchase individually if you want several of a particular card. Now, let's say you decide you want four Cinderace V and two Cinderace V Max. Your odds of getting those six exact cards will be razor thin, 
unless you're spending hundreds. But you can grab each of them for about $8 as of May of 2022, though, on the internet. Now, if the cards you're looking for are common or uncommon, you'll have a pretty good luck at buying packs. That, you'll probably get the cards you want and, well, the chance at getting some pretty good rares. Number one is test, test, test. Yeah, you need to test a lot. Now, before you go to your local tournament, test your deck. Test them with friends. Test them on yourself. Build multiple decks to face off against each other. Make decks that counter your deck so you can find ways to handle your strongest opponents. A convenient way to test is by using the Pokemon training card game online, or in the case of next month, the live. With that, you can make an unlimited number of decks with the cards you have. Reusing cards in multiple decks, you can also play against other people to see how your deck actually plays and quickly modify it. When ready, head out to your local tournament and play for real. Or stay online and participate in tournaments that way. Next up, how many supporters is too many supporters? Or how many is not enough supporters? Well, it might be interesting. So, supporter cards are powerful because of the variety and strength of their effects. Sometimes we see similar effects on other cards though, like the Ardeos that can swap your opponent's active Pokemon, kind of like Boss's Orders. Now, as long as you have a spin rack in play and your opponent has the evolved Pokemon, you can force it into the active slot. However, unlike Ardeos or Escape Rope or Boss's Orders, doesn't have an associated cost with pulling an opponent's Pokemon to the active slot, so you can choose whether whatever Pokemon you want to make the maximum impact. While you can build decks that use other cards as a replacement for powerful supporters, there's always an opportunity cost associated with getting access to your ability without taking up a supporter slot. One thing supporters tend to do incredibly well is draw your cards, be it Pokemon, items, or even energy. Help draw you more cards from your deck, but very few can grab as many cards as something like a professor's research. There are even quite a few supporters that draw cards for you while also achieving something else. Be it like Birdkeeper, who draws you three cards when you switch out your Pokemon. Cynthia and Caitlin can grab back a supporter from your discard pile and then draw you three more cards if you discard a card. Marnie puts your hand on the bottom of your deck and draws a five new cards hand, while also forcing your opponent to shuffle their hand on the bottom of the deck and draw four cards instead. Depending on the makeup of your deck list and strategy, you can change the supporters in your deck to be ones that will give you the biggest advantage. Now, how many should you play though? Well, similar to what we talked about before, when putting together a deck list, it's important to be mindful of how Pokemon matches start. Basically, you lose six cards from the deck to fill out your prize cards. This means that playing important cards as one-offs can be difficult if they get prized away and you never really see them if you can't get to your prize cards. Well, on the other side, playing four of every supporter to lower the odds of them all being prized away can leave you with hands full of unplayable cards as you slowly play one card per turn. The key number to keep in mind with how many supporters to play is 11. That many supporters in your deck means at least one should always be in your opener. But it'll be very rare to have a hand filled with supporters. This also means you can play with the idea of three three-time supporters and one two-time supporter. An example list of supporters might look like basically a three Marnie, three Bosses Orders, three Sonya, and two Sure. For the example list, I know our supporters offer tempo hits to keep our opponent off balance. 
a way to search out Pokemon or energies and some healing to keep our face Pokemon from getting one shot by our opponent. From here, we know we can add additional draw power from cards like Crobat V or Snorlax, as well as additional tempo cards like Crushing Hammer to keep our opponents from winning. Now, the goal of 11 supporters might not work for every deck you build, but it's a good starting point for testing out decks and addressing the problems you might face as you continue to play. Each deck will have its strengths and weaknesses, and the supporter slot is a great place to add cards that boost your deck to the XO slot. And finally, r slash Pokemon questions. <laughs> this is an interesting question from uh, a Reddit user. So, this Reddit user asks, can I simply collect Pokemon cards despite having no interest in Pokemon itself? They go on to say, as I stated in the title, I have never been able to get into Pokemon at all. The games, the shows, whatever, I can't get into it. But I do really enjoy collecting things. And from what I've seen of the Pokemon cards, they are really interesting and pretty and I would love to simply collect them. But it's just something that is acceptable of me to do. I would likely not trade them or play them or anything like that. Simply just own them as a collection. Any feedback is appreciated. Uh, someone replied, just simply, yes. And the the r slash user who uh, posted this said, thank you for your simple yet perfect answer. Laugh my ass off. Um, (laughs) I mean, uh, yes, simple answer, yes. Yes, you can simply collect Pokemon cards and have zero interest in playing it. Uh, Have I done that in the past, even as a kid? No. Um, I mean, I collected Yu-Gi-Oh cards. I collected Digimon cards. I had Pokemon cards back then. We kind of played the Pokemon game like the TCG game as a kid, we we never really used energies, so technically we weren't playing properly. Uh, never really used item cards; it's just simply attack. Um, same thing with Digimon. I collected a Digimon trading card game. Didn't understand how to play the game, but I watched the TV show and had the toys and all that stuff. Yu-Gi-Oh! I collected it. I played it properly back then nowadays it's way too confusing for me uh but again i also watched the tv show again you know i had the cards and all that stuff so i mean getting back to can i just collect pokemon cards and just have them as a collection uh of course again of course that actually might work out in your favor down the road if you store them correctly, be it if you don't put them in a three ring binder, that kind of stuff, um, preferably temperature controlled or humidity controlled in a sense. Uh, I know some people put them in those black tote boxes with um, the little absorbent packets to keep the moisture out. Because, uh, you know, over time, if you're going to keep them stored for decades for a potential increase in value uh you're going to want to do everything humanly possible to keep definitely moisture away sunlight away uh and severe temperature changes you know going from hot to cold i know in some areas in the u.s that is a massive problem uh areas like florida and stuff like that uh maybe even california uh here in ontario 
yeah, we face the same problem. Um, you know, we have this lovely thing called winter that is the majority of our year. Uh, I mean, let's be honest, <laughs> in, in Ontario or Canada alone, we get a little bit of summer, a little bit of spring, a little bit of fall, and a crap ton of winter. So that that basically means a lot of temperature changes. For example, my collection room, it is in the basement. Now, the basement is typically cooler year-round, whether it's 40 degrees Celsius outside, it's nice and cool down in the basement, regardless. If it's freezing cold outside, it's a little colder inside, but the insulation and everything keeps it at that optimum coolness. So that takes care of temperature changes from going way too hot to way too cold. As far as moisture goes, well, we have a really, really great HVAC system in our house that draws moisture out and keeps the house at optimal moisture levels levels sorry so we use that um now for the longest time we never it's weird so we would actually close the vents in the basement during the summer and winter months kind of thing um just simply for the fact that i didn't want to pay to heat the basement and i didn't want to pay to cool the basement uh, with the AC or with the the heat because I mean it's a nice cool basement I don't need to heat it I would rather heat the main floor and the upstairs where our bedrooms are uh, and same thing I don't really need to super freeze th- the basement in the summer I would rather cool the main floor and the second floor um, however we now have a thing where we can actually program it so that it doesn't put the AC into the basement or the heat into the basement. And once the cycle is done, whether it's heating or cooling, it switches a little flap in our HVAC and opens it back up. And that allows the HVAC system to continue doing the normal fan cycle of pulling moisture through the house, get rid of the moisture and all that crap. But when it's time to turn the heat back on or turn the AC back on, it flips that switch, closes the vent off again, and it heats the rest of the house or cools the rest of the house and doesn't worry about the basement. So it's kind of cool. So yeah, again, if you want to collect just for the fact of collecting, absolutely go for it. If you don't give a flying crap about playing Pokemon or watching Pokemon or doing anything Pokemon, but you like the artwork, hell yeah, go ahead, collect it. And who knows, maybe you might actually collect something decent and have a nice little nest egg at the end of your collection. Who knows? On that note, I say have a good night or a good day whenever you listen to this. And I will see you again next week. Take care, everyone. Oh, and unless you're listening to this past Monday, stay tuned tonight, sorry, for the Pokey Cave After Dark, where we're going to be discussing... 90s and 2000s food and beverages that got discontinued. Some pretty interesting stories to go with it. Take care, everyone. See you again next week. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.